Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System number 18. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale, episode 79, Lost in the Mail. We are going to go listen to this episode. And as always, we encourage you to listen to it, because when we come back, we're going to spoil the hell out of it. See you in a minute. Right. First of all, what do you think of the new intro music? I do not like it. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I am trying to think what it is. I mean, okay, either I really don't like any kind of change. uh, I really Mm -hmm. just want to go back to the way it was in the very beginning, or Mm -hmm. it's not as good. Yeah, I almost, almost think I actually like the new version, not this newest version, but I guess the the version that they first switched to, I think I like that a little better than this. A little but bit too that much. Could be a, a ch- yeah, too much drum beat on this one, I think. A, a little bit, a little bit. But it was new outro music as well, and I liked the new outro music better. But I liked the old new outro music better than the old new intro. They're changing the intros too fast. It's not really just me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, after at least two, two and a half years of not changing at all. And now maybe in less than a year, they've changed it twice. Yeah, yeah. And I would have, I would have understood it. Well, if it was like pertinent to the episode, like it was something that went with the style of the episode, I understand it. But no, it just seems to be maybe they were listening to feedback from people who didn't like the old new music and they're changing it again for that. And in which case, I don't think you've quite landed. Yeah, not going yet, in the right maybe. direction. Sorry, guys. Not quite yet, but that's okay. I appreciate them trying and that's fine. And I don't want to hate on it. I'm going to, I'm going to say it's different and I'm not good with change, but that's fine. <laughs> well, uh, some things that they are getting right. They uh, did a little review of this last year in the intro and they did over 60 cities on their tour of the live so show of the investigators. Crazy. That's really impressive. And then I think it was the New York bestseller list. Uh, uh, the Welcome uh, to uh. Nightville novel was at number four and stayed there for several weeks. So that's yeah, seriously really impressive. Just to, be, just to be anywhere on the New York Times bestseller list must be such a feather in your cap. But number four. Four? That's crazy. I noticed that they were in line to be one of uh, Goodreads' top books, uh, Reader's Choice books. So they didn't get it, but they were nominated. They went really, really high in the uh, the voting, I think. I don't suppose, do you know what did actually get it? Because that's a book I might want to read. I cannot even remember. I think it might have been the sequel to something, which is uh, why I wasn't actually checking that. But I do know what got fantasy. What? Trigger warning. Oh, nice. Good. Well, Neil Gaiman's always going to get the big awards, definitely. And well-deserved, too. Yeah. (laughs) So this episode, uh, we're celebrating Remembrance Day, where we remember the people who uh, are probably going to die and disappear forever in the Blood Space War. We've heard more about the Blood Space War in this episode than any other episode. And I hadn't realized before the way it's fought that people go to sleep, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we hear a lot from uh, Basima, Basima Bashara, and she is a teenager in high school. uh, And her father volunteered to serve in the blood, to fight in the blood space war, which means that he gets woken up once a year for the first hundred years to write a message to his family. And that's the only contact that they get with him. And it's going to be, a thousand years, I think, before the war even gets started. And then so all these people are just coming up with conjecture, people having Etsy sales of dolls made to memorialize people who are 
probably going to die in the Blood Space War with the wounds that they're probably going to get. Oh, yeah. And you've got the Citizens for a Blood Space War, which we've heard from them before, all their fundraising stuff. They're actually raising money for a bomb that will probably destroy reality as we know it. So make sure to send in those cookies for the bake sale. Yep. So, you know, and they're just... also having a civic parade today. And I did like some of the floats that they had for the parade, yeah. like oh, the yeah. float to the serpent whose mouth contains the universe, which Cecil described as a helpful reminder to all of us that even the stars will eventually be swallowed. Like, mm, fan art, fan art challenge. Yes, yes. I liked, because he would open the window of the recording studio to watch the parade as it came by. I loved the sound of it. It sounded like almost Indian in places with these crashing cymbals is definitely not your average parade. I mean, it sounded, uh, it, it sounded very cool. I would really like to see this parade. But we got to see the emissary from the Blood Space War, the only known being to ever return. And he's in a cosmonaut's suit. And if you open up the helmet of the suit, you just see a void inside. Did it start to remind you of the silence in the library? A bit. Who turned out the lights, you know? Oh, (laughs) yeah. But you imagine a shadowy skull behind that instead of just the void. But and he's he's kept in a pit all year and only taken out of the pit once for the civic parade for Remembrance Day. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we heard from he actually, I think, opened his helmet and told them to stop the war. And Cecil was like, well, that's, that's what we're doing. You know, if we stopped the war, the war would go on forever. All we can do is to continue fighting the war so that we can end the war. And I'm like, circular logic that works just as well as anything else. Really, it's just the whole episode. I wanted to say at first that it was anti-war, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. I think it's more an illustration of the divide between the people in the war and the people who are not. And you have all these people doing the Remembrance Day and the bake sales and the Etsy everything. And then you have the people who are fighting the war who are, in this case, literally divided by time. And we got to hear uh, Basima's recordings that she sent in because Cecil asked people to send in, you know, their thoughts about how the blood space wars affected their lives. And she's talking about the fact that her father writes a message to her once a year. And it's only been, to his mind, 11 days since he left, but it's been most of her life. But he's writing to what he imagines his daughter is like. And that's... And that that really does feel like what you hear about soldiers nowadays when they come back from fighting. And it really does seem like they're divided, not just by, you know, experience or distance, but in a different reality altogether. She has no way to communicate with her father at all. He sends all this advice back. Apparently, for most of her 14th year, she was recovering from a car accident. She can't tell him anything about that. He's telling her, you know, don't kiss a boy until you're 16. And first she says, you know, it's not really much worry about that. And then she says, you know, because I have a girlfriend, I don't have a boyfriend. And dad doesn't know that. And she has no way of telling him that all this, all this advice that he's giving her is advice to a person that he's never met who actually doesn't really exist. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's very it, sad. It does make me it just, you feel about soldiers nowadays that coming back to civilian life and the fact that they've, it's got to be like that 
at times you imagine that they're oh, yeah. trying to identify with who they imagine these people are that they left behind so long ago who have experienced yeah. stuff or have not experienced what they've experienced. Exactly. Exactly. And trying to like integrate back into like, quote unquote, the real world with everything I've been going through. It's just, it was, you know, there was a lot of messages in this, but they didn't beat you over the head with the messages. You know, it was really just about a girl talking about how she seems like a pretty normal teenager. She makes that comment at one point. She's like, you know, I just get along okay with school. I mean, I haven't grown wings like the cheerleaders. And Kat and I both perk up. We're like, oh, fucking cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. They get all the luck. They really do. But, you know, she talks about her best friends and how everybody has a different way of having a family. I mean, some one of her friends has a family from the 1950s, literally the 1950s yeah. while she's living in the year 2015. Um, yeah. One of them has a council of fathers, which I don't know I why like I thought that, that was so delightful. And the other one's mom is a spider. So mm -hmm. she said mm -hmm. having a dad who's off in the blood space wars, just another way of having a family. But you really get this idea of what she's fighting through in these recordings is to be allowed to say that she's not okay with this. She is not yeah. okay with her dad being gone. And she yep. wished he hadn't done it. She wished the war would stop, all that. And everyone's telling her, oh, it must be so great. You must be so proud that your dad's off fighting in the war. And she just really wants to be able to say, no, I'm not okay with this. I wish he'd come home for crying out loud. And do you think Cecil got it? Do you think Cecil understood what she was saying? You know? I don't think so. I mean, first, he t after he finished one of her recordings, he took us to the weather, which was, um, what was the, the, the weather this the time? The weather was Sharon by Good San Juan. And it sounded very punk. I, I a, like a little it. bit, almost fun. almost like a 1950s beach tune in some places. It was in just some places, little, yeah. but, but punked up a little bit. You know, I liked it. Yeah. It was fun. It was, yeah. it was yeah. peppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we came back and Cecil's describing the aftermath of the parade, which is kind of, I guess like all parades, it's kind of sad. You know, everybody's gone home. He said the onlookers are no longer looking on. And I'm like, that's a nice phrase. I like that. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, there's this sound. And it sounded like... Kind of like flutes. flutes. Yeah, exactly. Or like a like a, a, a toy organ or something. It was very yeah, melodic, yeah. very cheery. It, was, it reminded me a little bit of like, if you watch a really cheap, bad fantasy movie set in medieval times, that kind of noodling around flute music that they yes. play in the background, obviously synthesized. So it was yes. nice. It was neat. But it was the emissary. We were listening yes. to the emissary talk. That was what the emissary sounds like. Though Cecil could understand him perfectly well, you know, and... And he's, what did he say? He said, experience and reality are linked but separate because you, what you experience may not be reality and reality may be never experienced. And then he's like, but that's just basic geometry that we've all learned. I'm like, oh, I want to take, take your geometry classes. Then the emissary starts saying, the war is for nothing. In a thousand years, this is all for nothing. We've, we're fighting for no reason. Something about turning space red, I think, in a thousand years. And he wants Cecil to end the war. And Cecil's like, but war is a purpose in and of itself. I mean, I don't think he does get it because he's still no. in the mindset of, but it's important. We have to keep fighting this war in order to bring it to an end. Like, ugh, no, he's not... Talking at cross purposes, I think. No, and then 
he goes from there into the very last of the tape. But it's not it's not a tape that we're getting from um, Basima, is it? No, it was that I as soon as he started playing those, I, I recognized what the sound was. It was the Fidelipat cartridges from the best of episodes. Yes. That's just awesome that they had a callback like that to that sound. That was very, very cool. And we hear the last bit of her recording. And in the middle of the recording, we hear that sound of flutes again. The emissary is there in her room. And all of a sudden she starts, I mean, of course, she's terrified at first, but then she says, Dad, is that you? And she sounds is. so happy. It's just awesome. He's just, so her dad has come back and then the tape suddenly ends. And Cecil's like, listeners, I don't know how the emissary got onto this recording, which was delivered three days ago. And the emissary was only let out of his pit this morning. But, and he just kind of glosses it over. For me. He says he doesn't understand how that happened, but I don't know how my favorite pie gets made either. Like, of course he would link that sort of thing. He says, I don't know how lost pets end up on the moon, but they do. And they've built quite an extensive city up there. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's neat. But then we had the outro and I was about ready to turn the recording off that we were listening to. And Captain's like, no, no, wait. Wait, and, and, <laughs> and the, the outro music, which was really nice. I do actually like this yeah. better than the last outro music that they came from. And yeah. we wait, and we wait, and then we hear the cartridge again. And both of us are like, yay! Because <laughs> <laughs> the last time we heard the Fidella pack, if you don't remember from that episode, we didn't know that if you listened all the way to the end of that episode, you would hear the Fidella pack click off again. And so we wondered if they were going to do it again. And they did! So it's just, a, just you have to wait right until the very last second. I mean, it's just way at the end. But it was the commenters on Pod Bay that pointed that out to us, which is they're pretty awesome. Oh yes. Um. So that was it for this episode. Very neat episode. Yes. A bunch of new it, yeah. information about the Blood Space War. I'm glad we got that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's very good. Now. It's interesting. All right. One thing I want to say before I go into your thing, when they kept on saying in a thousand years and the blood space war and everything, it kept going through my head in a thousand years, Gondahar was destroyed. A thousand years ago, Gondahar will be saved. And I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> yes. I know that's light years reference. Yes, exactly. If you haven't, if you haven't ever seen light years, it's worth a look, but honestly, I really think you need to listen to the English language version. I I do too. I like the music better on it. I think it makes a little bit more coherent sense. I know the original French language version is very nice and has a few clips of things that you don't see in the the U.S. version. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why they cut certain things out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the U.S. version is still better. But okay, so I just had to I just had to say that because it kept every time they said a thousand years, I was like, gone to her. But so in other timey wimey news, you actually watched an episode of something recently. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. So Doctor Who, the episode Heaven Sent. Before we watched it, uh, Nathan had gone on Reddit and he had a, saw a bunch of people commenting to say that this was probably, this episode was probably second only to Blink. That's high praise. It really right is. There. My and God, yeah. we watched it. And I don't even know how much I can say without giving things away. I yeah. just, I mean, yeah. what. I, I did read a review of the episode online. I cannot remember where I read it. So sorry. Uh, sorry. But pointing out that Stephen Moffat. He's very good at not letting you know what's going on until you suddenly know what's going on. And you have one of those moments in this episode most of the way through. And it is an actual nightmare. 
and oh, but good. it's good. fantastic. So yeah, I'm really I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next week because I think that's going to be the season finale. But I just don't know if the next episode will measure up to this one because it was really really good. <sighs> I have got to get caught up. I finally saw last season of Doctor Who. Have not seen a single episode of this season of Doctor Who. I am totally caught up on The Walking Dead though, and you are not, right? No, I still <laughs> have one more episode to watch. The, uh, the is this the mid season finale? I think. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's, I'll just say one thing. I feel like every episode this season has ended on a cliffhanger, but this, the mid-season hiatus pre-episode, was like still a cliffhanger, but the least cliffhangery episode of the whole season. I don't know why. It was interesting. What, the Um, mid-season finale didn't have a... Yeah. Oh. It was definitely, it was definitely a cliffhanger, but compared to some of the other cliffhangers we've had, it was like, I was, yeah, I was not like chewing off all my nails on this one. Still a lot of very good moments, a lot of very good lines and everything, but yeah, I'm caught up with that, but now I need to get caught up with Doctor Who, because man, this is ridiculous that I'm so far behind. And they had a bunch of two-parter episodes this season. I don't remember having quite so many two-parters in other seasons. I think that was just how they wanted to format Capaldi's season for some reason. Okay. Well, that works for me. So right before we go, I wanted to do one more plug, though. Now, you started this. I'll be doing a few, but I think you're going to be doing the lion's share of this. You're doing an entire month of Star Wars books reviews on pixelatedgeek.com. Right. Well, yeah. Keep in mind, an entire month of reviews is three, because just just the first three weeks, and then the Star Wars movie comes out. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So... I wanted to do a bit of a theme, and it's not just Star Wars. I am. I started this week. Uh, the review that was posted was for Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which is mm-hmm. the second Star Wars book that ever came out, because the first one was actually the novelization, which I found out as I was researching this particular book. The novelization came out six months before the movie. Okay, that's I, interesting. I guess it's because they didn't know at the time if it was going to be a great big success. I mean, in fact, yeah, Splinter no. of the Mind's Eye was commissioned uh, as a low-budget sequel if Star Wars did not do well enough to have a big-budget sequel like what Empire Strikes Back turned out to be. Mm-hmm, nice, nice. Well, that's good. I'm not. Um, I'm reading one Star Wars book right now. It's the Star Wars Battlefront novel, and it's actually good. And no, I do not play Battlefront, but now I may have to because it's it's been a really it's very well written. I've been impressed, and I like all the characters. And you have no idea who's going to survive because they've killed several people that I thought were going to make it to the end of the book already. So, and then um, I think after that, I'm going to do Crystal Star, which is a book I've already read, but I've never reviewed it for the site. Which I think, I mean, granted, that's another... Splinter of the Mind's Eye is now considered non-canon, right? Because they wiped all that out. Splinter of the Mind's Eye is the first book to ever be considered non-canon. And I think it was pretty much non-canon the moment Empire Strikes Back came out. But Uh, all of the rest of the expanded universe books are now considered non-canon. They're being relabeled Star Wars Legends. And yes, I talked yes. about this with uh, our friend uh, Andrea the other day, and she loves the Crystal Star. By the way, that's one of her favorite. Uh, Star it's Wars a fun books. book. It, it is. is actually a fun book. I remember liking that but, one a lot. But we were both yeah. talking about that. That there's, and I had never known about this, a big movement of people who are really, really angry that the expanded universe books are now no longer canon. That they, mm. some people talk about investing in buying books for 30 years and they're all non-canon. So what was it for? I'm like, 
to read really good books yeah. I mean, just because it's not part of the yeah. new continuity. Star Wars, I mean, uh, Star Trek has been rebooted, but the old Star yeah. Trek is still really good. So. Exactly. But, um, yeah, the, the next book that I'm reading is, uh, reviewing, excuse me, is uh, Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn, which oh, that was the okay. second yes. part of the theme. That Yeah, that was the second part of the theme in that it's the first book that was commissioned after Return of the Jedi officially. That was they we, they went for many years without George Lucas authorizing any and this was the first one that he authorized and it also contains one of the biggest reasons why I am actually a little ticked off that the expanded universe is no longer canon. Two words, Mara Jade. Yeah, I'm ticked off about that. But honestly, three words, Grand Admiral Thrawn. It's just that he's such a yeah. great villain. He's so awesome. And oh, Timothy wow. Zahn did such a good job of tacking on to the original trilogy. And ex- he did. It- expanding on it all the yeah. stuff that you had never considered before new ideas new concepts planets aliens it's all wonderful and yep. yeah it is kind of sad that it's not official anymore yeah. I guess. but the books are still good and you should still read them so look you out really on should pixelatedgeek.com so we'll have those reviews going up on the site as well as like photo galleries and previews and comic books and all that good stuff so make sure to check that out it's fun and we'll try to post some links to some interesting Night Vale fan art because there was one that I liked in particular and I think it was by the artist Chirath on DeviantArt even though this particular one isn't actually posted on DeviantArt uh, but it is a Doctor Who Night Vale crossover oh and, and it's, it's really so good. good it's very very good I really like it we will post a link to that you guys need to see it because it's and she's a great artist too it is a she right is it a she I don't know yeah, yeah okay. it is Actually, she's done a few uh, Doctor Who uh, fan arts on her uh, DeviantArt that actually are there. So, yeah, definitely check her out. Yeah, cool. But that's going to finish us up. We'll have one more episode come out before, uh, what is it, Winter Halloween. So Winter Halloween, yes. Get ready for all of your jokey uh, presents. Yes, yes. And we will talk to you guys in two weeks. Talk to y'all later. (laughs) 